0: Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast.
1: No matter what level runner you are, and whether you prefer road or trail running or both, you will find this podcast informative, motivating, inspiring, and entertaining. We have interesting guests, running related information, inspirational stories about real runners, and much more. Now, here's your host and a longtime runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners, and welcome been a while since I've had one of these longer episodes. I'm your host, Jim Lynch, and you're listening to episode number 59 of the Feel Good Running podcast. Welcome to it. And if you're an existing listener, thank you for sticking with me and listening to my episodes. And if you're brand new, first time you stumbled upon this podcast, can't thank you enough. And I hope you enjoy it and go back and listen to some of the others. Well, what's been going on? First, I want to be pretty serious here. I want to recognize my sister-in-law, Lorraine Lynch. She passed away a few weeks ago, and she's been in my life ever since I was born. She was an amazing woman, and she always kept our family together. She was very loving. Whenever we had gatherings, she made sure that we were happy and her and her sisters would spend hours in the kitchen during Thanksgiving, cooking a feast of a meal. And they did it with such love. And that love was for the family. It was just a wonderful gathering. And from her side of the family, she, she brought us all together to our side of the family. And we always had a wonderful time. And the memories that we have will never leave us, none of us. In addition to that, she was really good to me. Ever since I was a little child, she was always good to me, always there for me, always gave me advice. She supported me in my life. She helped me through a rough patch in my 30s. And I'm going to really miss her. And I just wanted to mention her because she needs to be recognized as the wonderful person that she was. I am going to miss her. Our family is going to miss her. And I just thank you for just acknowledging Lorraine Lynch. And if you could take just a moment to quietly say her name, that would be very much appreciated. If you'd like to know more about my sister-in-law, there is a link in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. And it goes to the obituary page and you can read a little bit more about her life. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my sister-in-law with you. All right, runners, my guest this episode is El Balmer. And you're probably wondering to yourself, who is El Balmer? Well, L. Balmer is an everyday runner like you and me. We had an amazing conversation. He reached out to me and wanted to talk about his father-in-law, Manny. And there's a lot behind it and a lot about marathons in there. And you're going to enjoy that. And we will get to that in just a moment. I also want to talk about Motivation Run Day Monday. If you've been listening to Motivation Run Day Monday, you know it started in January and we had a lot of wonderful participants that were featured on an episode. Well, as much as I've tried, I'm having a hard time getting participants to be featured on an episode. It's real simple. You go to the page feelgoodrunning.com forward slash MRM There's seven questions to answer in your own words based on your running. And they're basically how long you've been running, what inspired you to start running, what motivates you to keep running regularly? Why is running important to you? Who's your role model running role model? And what message would you like to share with other runners? And if you're so inspired to, uh, share your favorite running quote. That would be awesome too. It's really that simple. And there's a link that you can click on and that will take you to a place where you can record and you can record from your phone, a laptop, a tablet, iPad, as long as it has a microphone and an internet connection uh, that you could get onto this link. And you have up to five minutes to record. And if that's not enough time, you can Go back, click on it again and record up to another five minutes and I edit it and make you sound good. So I'm going to reach out again. If you will do this, that would be awesome. I'd love to feature you and you can have your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, 15 minutes of fame out there in the world. You know that Feel Good Running podcast is listened to all over the world. So I hope you I hope you participate and share this with other runners. I'm going to hold off on putting any episodes out through the month of June. Hopefully you will participate and then I'll start it back up in July. All right. And the final thing that I'd like to say is that uh, it's wonderful that the running world is coming back and actually our whole country is coming back from this pandemic. Things are loosening up. Uh, There's a lot of there's a lot of articles and focus on fall races that are coming back strong. We'll see how that works out. New York City's going to have 33,000 participants this fall. Boston's coming back. And I feel very bad for those that qualified for Boston but couldn't get in because of the minutes below the qualifying time, several minutes that would enable you to get into this year's Boston Marathon. That's a tough one. I don't really want to comment about that now, but I will in a future episode. I have an episode coming up here shortly to talk about the future of uh, running races, and I'll mention something then. So keep your fingers crossed that we keep moving in a positive direction and that the running world, specifically races, come back to some sort of normalcy. All right, runners, now for my guest this episode, Al Balmer. Al is from Austin, Texas, and he's a physics instructor at McNeil High School in Austin. He is also the CEO and CFO at Doc Physics Products. And the tagline at Doc Physics Products is saving the world with his knowledge of science. You can find out about these products in this episode show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. And I'll tell you what, these products are fascinating. Please check that out. So Al reached out to me to share his story of his father-in-law Manny. They had a very tight bond, and most of Al's ten marathons are unique about how he selflessly ran them for Manny. Very, very touching. There is so much in our conversation for runners, and you're going to go away very inspired. And as a uh, as an exciting point to bring up, Al is going to be running this year's Boston Marathon. And his mom is, too. They're a mother son team and they're doing it for a Boston Marathon charity, the community rowing organization. And there's information in the show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. If you would like to throw a few bucks to help them out, because it is a hefty goal. Oh, my gosh, it's hefty. So now this is me talking to everyday runner, L Balmer. I uh, I like your place. Got got high ceilings there. Yeah, the old vaulted yeah. ceilings takes the weight off of you. <laughs> I
0: can you imagine. Like, yeah, you don't feel like you're being pressed down on top of.
1: Yeah, I my place has uh, they're higher ceiling, but I, I'd have to say they're maybe nine feet, ten something like that. But they're not vaulted.
0: I think uh I think we're twenty-five to the highest point. Oh wow, okay. You know, me and my wife designed the house and it was kind of our dream to build. You know, it's it's perfect for us, but I'm a physicist, so I thought, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I, I design something that's energy efficient. So I uh I'm I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you should be. Are you in uh are you close to uh your mother and father?
0: They are about 30 minutes away. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm right outside of Austin uh, in a little town called Spicewood. And they're, they're in the heart of it. Uh, a little tri- trivia or trivial, depending upon which way you look at it. But Willie Nelson is my next door neighbor.
1: Oh, okay. You know, he's a Maui guy too. He's out there quite a bit. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, before I left, there was a uh, private concert for, Farming, and uh, it was it was invite only. I think people had to donate, and it was over close to where he lives. So a friend of mine who's involved with that organization said, "Do you want to volunteer? You come out, hang out, and I'll put you in a good spot and you could see Willie and his sons perform." We Harrelson was there too, and so they put me in, in monitoring
0: the backstage, so I was right there with them. Wow, it was really cool. I- We see his daughters here a lot. You know, they're they're in and out of a lot of the shops around here. And we have some eatery places and and they'll show up there quite a bit. And sometimes they sing around town. Um, His son, every now and then, maybe uh, we'll see him. Which which one? Oh, the one that's doing all the singing right now. I can't remember his name. He, he starred he was, he was the guy that did all the guitar work for A Star Is Born. Right.
1: Lucas Nelson. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's the one.
1: And Micah, micahs is his other uh, son. He did a set and he was, he was kind of more Jimi Hendrix, acidy type, but Lucas came up and he is amazing. Yeah, and I didn't know at that time that he was part of Star is Born and wrote some of the songs.
0: I think didn't he? I I I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it, but uh, I know he played. You know, he played all the guitar or most of the guitar, as far as I know.
1: Right, right, and he helped. Uh, what was the name of the star on and that with uh, yeah, Lady I was Gaga? Sure. I was trying to think of it when I was speaking, too. I don't know why you didn't know their names. Aren't you always over there for dinner?
0: (laughs) Everybody always asks that. You know, I I tell people, yeah, he is my next door neighbor because he is. But he's got like 300 and some acres, you know. Um, So his house is kind of back quite a ways. We can barely see it from our property. Um, what's kind of neat though, is, is he used to do this thing for Easter where he would invite the the, neighbor, the people of the neighborhood over and uh, he's got an old movie set up there and you could walk around his movie set and check things out. And he would bring in a gospel band and, and they'd play. And then sometimes he'd come around and mingle and you get to take pictures. But, uh, that was the only time we ever got, you know, got to go onto his property that, that time that he would have everybody over for Easter.
1: Yeah, doesn't send you Christmas presents or anything.
0: No. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get people that will send us uh, CDs and say, hey, can you have Willie sign this for us? No.
1: <laughs> yeah, what kind of neighbor
0: is that? Man. Yeah. Wow. So we, I've, I've only seen him around town maybe three times uh, when we first moved in about Ten years ago, I saw him on his Harley with his American band, you know, American bandana. Right. And then another time I saw him crossing the road in his golf cart. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I When I was backstage, he was getting ready to go up um, to perform and uh, standing at the bottom of the steps. And, you know, he's he's getting up there in age now and you could tell that it, it was going to take a little bit for him to get up those steps and then when Woody Harrelson announced him he came up on the stage and that hour and a half he played all of his songs and he was phenomenal but I was a little concerned because he's down at the bottom of the steps I was hoping that he would get up to the top of the steps
0: you know that's the thing that I, I told you he used to invite the neighborhood over the last three years He hasn't. And uh, we could kind of tell, you know, that he was kind of having a a tougher time getting around. So I think it was just more difficult for him to invite everybody over and then not be able to show up.
1: Right. Right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. You're the first guest that I've had on my podcast that I have not done any background on. Except for what you and I discussed on the phone and what you sure. sent me in an email. So this is, this is completely a freestyle uh, interview. So we're just going to go with it and going to be a lot of fun. And I, um, uh, sure. I'm excited that you reached out to me and I'm excited to hear your story and, and talk a little bit about your running. So sure. So you, uh, you originally sent me an email to talk about Manny. So why don't we start
0: there? Well, um, Manny was my father-in-law and and an incredible individual, so motivating. He had uh, uh, overcome so many things in his life and uh, one of the most positive uh, people I know I've ever met. And I was always so inspired by his stories and just listening to him. And he had a way of, uh, of seeing the world that just, Hold you into it and just made you happy to be part of it. And, uh, he came down with, uh, mesothelioma and, uh, what, I was, what is that? Mesothelioma is, is it's, a uh, it's a lung cancer that's caused from asbestos. And so he, um, uh, he was a painter for the state of Minnesota and, uh, there was sometimes they'd have to go into some of these older buildings and they would have to scrape some of the uh, the the duct or the, the piping and stuff and put paint on it. And back in the day, they used to coat a lot of piping with asbestos. So it, it wasn't like he was he was you know a pipe fitters usually come down with this old time pipe fitters that were installing the pipe and then wrapping the pipe with this asbestos but he he came across it because he would have to clean off the pipes and uh, scrape the asbestos stuff off the state wasn't too good about uh, giving them the proper equipment to protect them and uh, of course it it uh, gets into your system and and you don't even know it's in there and And 30, 40, 50 years later, here it is. And there is no cure. Um, I didn't, of course, when he came down with it, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know as much as I do now, you know? So when he first came down with it, you know, we had a lot of hope that, okay, he's going to fight this and make it, but uh, um, it's very rare to uh, survive it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
1: know that it was really, uh, you know something that was out there, especially in the paint. Wasn't it in the paint?
0: I don't think it was in the paint. Um, you know, to be honest with you, if you start mixing it with other things, with paint and and sometimes you know, like uh, auto mechanics, it would be on the brake pads or the clutch. Well, once you start mixing the dust with oils and other things, it's not quite as bad mm. because it when it's in its kind of raw form it has these hook like barbs to it that will get caught in, in your tissue. But when you coat it with oil and you coat it with other things, then those, those barbs can't really uh, take hold. Hmm. So it depends really what kind of form it was in when you, when you're dealing with it. Uh, there are a lot of uh, auto mechanics that came down with it because they were dealing with, uh, like I say, brake shoes and, and uh, clutches. Uh you know, before they were used and coated with oil and things like that, they'd be breathing this stuff in. Yeah. Um, and in you know, Manny was just such a good spirit. Tell me a little bit about his spirit. Well, Manny wasn't a runner, but um, he's my uh, my wife's father, and uh, so I've known him pretty much. All my life. <laughs> okay, I met my wife when I was in uh, junior high and, and, you know, he was obviously a big part of that, but he overcame a lot of things in his life. And, and, and because of that, he just, you know, when you fight hard through something and, and uh, you, you just have a different outlook when you survive something and come back and, and you have a new chance, a new beginning. And so he just saw the world uh, in a totally different way and always just um, very motivational to talk to him. And you would share stories of things he overcame and, and it would give you a lot of strength, you know, for the things that you were dealing with. Um, and he was just a wonderful And the other thing about him, he's just a wonderful storyteller. Uh, he had a way of telling a story that just drawed you in and captivated you. He'd he to tell a good joke and just a, an amazing joke teller. And so you're all, whenever you're around him, you're always captivated, uh, by what he had to say. And at the same time, you're always laughing, you know? So it just, a, a great spirit to be around. He sounds like a wonderful person. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, it's tomorrow is is uh, two years since he passed away. Mm. We were, we were, me and my wife were just talking about that today. And uh, so we'll go out tomorrow and we'll think about Manny. Uh, but, yeah, just a wonderful spirit that uh, we miss every day. How old was Manny when he passed away? He was either 70 or about to turn 70. I can't remember. Okay. His, his birthday is the 26th of March and he passed away on the
1: 19th. Wow. So he was yeah. he was young and his birthday is a day after my birthday. Mine's the 25th.
0: And uh, mine's the 31st. <laughs> I always say great people born in March. Right? I'll
1: tell <laughs> you what, you're absolutely right there. Good people in March. So um, Manny, big influence for you. How did it come about where you really wanted to do and dedicate your running to Manny?
0: Well, I had, I had been running for a little while. Uh, I came into running a little bit later in my life and um, I had uh, been running marathons for a bit and I've been trying to achieve a particular goal (laughs) and it was such a struggle Uh, and uh, I didn't know if I'd ever make it. Uh, But I was, this was back in 2000, forgive me for a second here. Let me think. So 2017, I was running my fifth marathon up in Minnesota. I was doing the Twin Cities Marathon. And marathon, uh, by the way, I love that beautiful, beautiful marathon. And uh, oh, man, I'd, I'd like to do that one again, to be honest with you. I, I love that course. And uh, it's just a great time of year. You know, the, the temperatures are great for running a marathon. So I won't go, that's a story in itself, that marathon, but I I will tell you that after three years of giving it everything I had, dedicating my, every, everything to, to trying to achieve this particular time, I I finally did it at the Twin Cities Marathon and it was just such a release and uh, we went out, everybody went out and we celebrated that night and, and Golly, it was just a great time. Manny was just telling stories and we were all laughing and just having a, a great celebration. And, and of course, my mom, my mom uh said to me, Well, at least you're done with the marathon. And I'm like, Yep, I'm done. I'm not doing anymore. <laughs> and of course, my wife's heard that many times, but I was I truly thought that was my, my last marathon. When was and, your first uh, by the way? Just think, to go. When was your first marathon? My first marathon. Was 2014, and um, and uh, here I was three. Let's see, do the math real quick. Yeah, three years later, uh, running my fifth marathon, and you pretty much feel like a veteran by t- by time you're running your fifth. But uh, <laughs> or you got the bug. Well, it was the time thing. I really just uh, my first marathon was such a struggle. I just. Personally, I just wanted to try to do a little bit better. <laughs> and I think that's the trap. Maybe a lot of us fall into where I can just, just do a little bit better. But I, I really, in my mind, I had a particular goal and I wanted to achieve it. And I felt like if I achieved it, then I I did everything I, I could with the running, the marathon running at least. And, and I was going to leave that part of me behind. So, that's kind of where the story starts. Manny, you know, was there for that celebration and he was always kind of in wonder of my my distant running and he used to talk to me a lot about it whenever we were together, you know, ask me questions and uh what kind of questions would he ask. Well, he just he just kind of, you know, like a lot of people, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you go that far and and uh and so uh, you know, and w- what's it like? and and those were a lot of the things that that we would talk about um you know and and so forth um that's refreshing
1: by the way because a lot of people ask questions that aren't aren't like that he sounded like he was genuinely curious and wanted to know how you felt
0: yeah and and uh, of course and I kind of laid that out to you a little bit in our our phone conversation and email, those, those conversations would eventually get a lot deeper. And, and I'd find this fascinating connection between somebody who is, you know, going through treatment and what it's like to run 26.2 miles. (laughs) And uh, so we would share a lot of those stories both ways. Uh, Him talking to me and, and, and me talking, you know, telling him what's it's like to run each mile almost, uh, of that distance. So he had, he had a curiosity, uh, for my running and in marathon running. And, uh, it, I know I told you that I was done running the marathon after my Minnesota <laughs> record setting victory almost. Um, but I also had a commitment to some people in my running group that we were all going to run the uh San Antonio Marathon in uh December. And of course, I went home and I told them I'm done people. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going that. And uh you know what but they're your family. You, you you train with these people and you you spend a lot of time on the trail and you know <sighs> I had to run it with them, you know, and it was kind of like it was going to be a celebration run for me that everything that I had gone through in the last three years and everything I had dedicated myself to, I wasn't going to care about the time. I was just going to go out and have a great time with these people that, you know, they they become your family. And that was, that was marathon number six. That you. That was going to be number six. Yeah. And of course <laughs> they had to do a lot of convincing because I, I felt like I was done. And then of course, you know, I told my wife, I said, well, I'm, uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta run another marathon. And she shook her head, you know, uh, she said, well, I knew it. I knew it. And during this time when I was getting ready to run the, um, San Antonio marathon, um, my wife stayed in Minnesota with her dad because he had, uh, we thought he had walking pneumonia and he had been to the hospital a couple times or the doctor's office and they had uh, drained his, his lungs to get the fluid out, but the fluid kept coming back. So something was amiss. Mm-hmm. And so she stayed behind and, um, that's when we discovered that, that he had mesothelioma about a week before I was supposed to run that San Antonio Marathon is uh, when my wife called and said, "Hey, the, the news is bad." And um, it just so happened that in Houston, there was one of the the world's leading specialists in mesothelioma, and uh, we said, "Get Manny, get Manny down here to Texas. Get him down here and um, and we'll do everything we can." And so we had a lot of hope there in the beginning and, uh, you know, my wife got flew back down to Texas from Minnesota and, and Manny came as well. And then, uh, I ran the, uh, San Antonio marathon and, uh, went home that night and I hadn't seen Manny yet because my wife had just gotten back into town and I hadn't seen him. And, and, uh, so this is the first time I've seen him after he, he had been diagnosed with, with cancer. And, uh, we just sat and we talked and, uh, you know, we talked, I I had something happen during that race that was just to this day, I look back and I'm, I'm, you know, it's hard to explain. Uh, when I tell people, I don't know if they really believe me <laughs> and I always have to say, you know, I'm, I'm a physicist and, uh, I know the rules of the universe. I mean, I, I, I teach them, you know, I, I kind of yeah. know how things work, but, uh, I had something happen during that marathon that uh, was very hard to explain. And, and so this was one of the stories that, that, I told Manny when I got back into town, you know, we were just sitting around talking. I said, man, I had something strange happen. And, uh, that was during, during the San Antonio marathon. Um, it was just pouring. It was pouring rain. And, uh, I was coming around the last turn for home and, uh, I was running with my, one of my partners, uh, Christine Santilli and, um, It was very strange. I I was about to make a left-hand turn, but right up ahead of me, I just happened to spot somebody in the crowd. And it was the only individual not wearing or or that did not have an umbrella because it was pouring rain. And uh, he had a cap on. It was a green cap. And I was kind of as I got closer, I was just kind of looking at him. And this individual had just a striking resemblance to my grandfather. And, uh, I got closer and I got closer and the person just never took their eyes off of me and they were staring at me and, and, uh, and then the person smiled at me and, uh, my, my grandfather had very distinctive smile, very distinctive teeth and I can't explain it, but it it looked identical to him. And I was just blown away. Um, at that exact moment, I heard my mom, uh, yelling my name. And I turned and I started running to the finish. And as I was running, though, I kind of over my shoulder, I, I just looked back a few times and this person was still staring at me. And one of the things about my grandfather is he used to always wear this uh, green John Deere hat. Well, this person didn't have a, a John Deere hat, but it was a green hat. So I just it was very, uh, very, I don't know the word right now, but uh, um it was strange.
1: (laughs) Strange. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I went on to finish, I went on to finish the marathon and, and, uh, I told my mom the story. And, and then when I got home, I was telling this story to Manny and we were talking about it, you know, um, and my wife was listening and my wife said, it was your grandpa. And he's telling you, you're done. Stop running. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so, a good angle. To, uh, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> but, you know, you know, Manny was asking questions about the marathon. And, and I remember that I, I got to, uh, you're just so it, it's hard. It's hard to describe it all to somebody that, that has never run it before. But I was so exhausted that I think at about mile 22, I couldn't even hold my water bottle. I just dropped it. I said, I can't even, hold, I can't even lift it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was telling this to Manny and, and, um, you know, just how difficult it is. And he said, you know, well, what's, what's it like the first few miles, you know? And, I kind of talked about that. I talked about, well, the first few miles, you're all excited. You're laughing, you're telling jokes, you're wasting energy talking (laughs) you shouldn't be. But uh, there's a lot of celebration in the beginning and you, you've run enough marathons to know that it's going to get tough that day. Um, But there's still just, you know, the optimism you started and and you, and you have, you tell yourself, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to break that record this time. Or I'm, you know, you have all those thoughts in your head uh, of what's going to come and how you're going to handle it and how you're going to take care of it. It's like a release of
1: energy at the beginning of a race because, you know, you're so nervous the day or two before or the day before and the evening before and even going to the start line. And once you get to the start line, you're nervous. And then it's that, Release of energy and everybody's happy, and you feel like you can slay the world, and you get your first two miles, in and you're thinking, "Wow, this is amazing!" <laughs> yeah, I feel so,
0: yes. I'm going to be going this pace the whole way. Yep. Yeah, it's it is that you know you do spend so much time focused and thinking about that you're finally there. It is emotional too. I always when I cross that line at the start, you know, there's that moment where okay, now it's real and everything that you've put into getting to this point. All right, now it's real. And here we go. And so there's a lot of excitement. Um, and <laughs> and manny was kind of so I, I was talking a little bit about the first few miles and and uh, i think we talked about you know what it's like to go all the way up to 10 miles cuz i always tell people the marathon doesn't really start till about 10 miles <laughs> you know you're still feeling good you know but when you get to 10 miles that's when you do that check and you're like okay how do i really feel cuz now now it's real i got go yeah. to go 16.2 yeah. to go yeah so then it becomes real and so manny was he asked me he goes well, where am I in my journey? You know, Well, you just found out and you're full of optimism and, and you're ready to take it on. And you're, you're at about mile somewhere between mile one and mile three. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you're feeling good right now, but there's later on, it's not going to be so good. So yeah. that was kind of how it all started. that We started talking about what it's like to go, what it's like to run a marathon and kind of what it's like kind of between certain miles, you know, miles one to three, three to six, uh, six to 10, you know, and, and that's kind of how it started. And we had, a, like I say, we had a lot of hope in the beginning, a lot of optimism that things would would turn out differently than they did. Uh, he was meeting with a specialist in Houston, uh he went down there and they said he, the doctor told Manny he goes Manny I usually don't say this to people but we're going to cure you and uh Manny was just full of hope and uh we believed it we thought you know what we caught it in time we got we got Manny to the to the the best doctor in the world this is going to be all right we're going to be you know we're going to look back at this and and you know it was just one little hiccup along the way and we got through it Well, he had to have a particular type of surgery where they go in and they remove the lining of your lung because that's where the uh, mesothelioma was. So they removed the lining. And um, the day the day before the surgery or the day of the surgery was the day before the the Austin Marathon. And again, I, I had kind of given up my marathon days. I, I, uh, you know, I did my celebration run with my, my family, my running family, and I was ready to move on. And the, the, the day before the marathon he went in for surgery. And later that night we got the news that they couldn't do it. They, they went in and the cancer had grown so close to uh, his aorta that they couldn't remove the Mm. lining of the lung. So things changed in a hurry. We had all this optimism and all this hope. And then, um, no, that's not going to be the case anymore. And so the next morning I woke up and... uh, Irreversible uh, too, right? Yes, yes all well they they you know they talked us about different options you, you know that's the thing they're coming at you pretty quick with all the different uh, the different options and, and where we're at you know you, you don't have time to research it's a very very fast growing cancer and and you're very you know you kind of the doctors are telling you things and you're just okay okay just what do we do next what do we do you don't know where to, you don't have that moment where you can just breathe and kind of let's think about this for a little bit you have to move so quickly and you get kind of drawn into that So the next day we show up for the marathon and uh, me and uh, Christy Santelli and um, we said, let's go the whole way. We were only supposed to go half and uh, we hadn't even trained for it. We just looked at each other and we just said, let's do it. Let's go the whole way. And uh, we just, I said, you know what? I want to get Manny a medal he just went through surgery and I want to get him a medal. I want to get him this, this marathon medal. Hmm. And so we did it. Me and uh, Christine, we, uh, we took our time and we actually didn't do too bad. I think, uh, I think we did it in about five hours, 40 minutes, but for not training, that was pretty impressive. Hats off to you on that. And we, uh, you know, I got tough. Christine is one of the toughest runners I've ever known you would ever meet. She doesn't tire. I don't know. How, like my mom. Yeah. I don't know how, but, um, I was hurting bad at about mile 20, mile 21. And, and she kept encouraging me, you know, and I think at about mile 24, we we, we split, we said, all right, I'll be at the finish. You know, I'm going to be there, but you go ahead. And I think I, I had to walk it in from there. But but the fact that we did that without training, you know, was, was pretty amazing.
1: You had a reason yes. to see that. You had a reason to get I, that medal for Manny.
0: I, th- I thought about him the whole way, you know, and, and that's kind of what kept me going. When when it hurt the worst for me, I just thought about, you know, Manny and, you know, how much, how much I cared for him and uh, just where his journey is starting now. What, was, not, it like giving, Excuse what me, was it like giving him that medal? Well, it was it was obviously pretty emotional. You know, he had um, we it, it, we had to wait a while. It was about a week before he got home from uh, the surgery and everything, and put it around his neck. And you know, and I, I think we both you know realized just how difficult things were about to get. And so I, I you know he kind of let loose a little bit, you know you can see the emotion with him, and you know I was feeling it as well and and uh you know, but that's that's when running for manny began, you know I, I I wanted to get these medals for him, mm-hmm. and so over the next two years. I thought my marathon days were over, but they weren't. <laughs>
1: yeah, they Austin was number seven and I know that you're at yeah. 10. So we've got more yeah. story here.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I started running and, um, you know, everything I could, you know, run, I would get a medal for him. A lot of halves, you know, we did a lot of, me and Christine did a lot of halves together and bring him, I always get him a medal. And, and I'd try to always sit down and talk to him. He w- he was more fascinated by wanting to know what it was like to run each mile at this point where, where it really, and I would, I would really try to explain it to him what it's like to go. At 13 miles, what you're thinking at 13 miles and, and and what it feels like to go to 14 and then to 15 and how your thoughts change and your focus changes and and just what you're dealing with, you know, your body and and the pain that you're going through and and, the, and how you just have to somehow keep on going and keep on fighting. And and he would relate that he would relate all this to, well, here's what it's like for me. And he told me kind of his journey. And I'd tell him, okay, you're, you're about mile 14 yeah. based on how you're feeling, you know, and towards the end, it was amazing how his journey was comparable to what it was like at about mile 20. Mm-hmm. I'd tell him, yeah, you're there, you're at mile 19 you You're at mile 20 where you can't even move, but somehow you got to find it inside of you to keep falling forward and keep moving and and you find a way, you, you know, and that's where he was at with his chemotherapy and everything. He just he'd find a way to get up each day and and you know go in again. And and so every time I'd run a marathon, or every time I'd run a race, a half marathon, a marathon, I'd get him that medal, and we would just talk, and we would share. Sometimes, you know, he was in Minnesota getting treatment, and I would have to, I'd, I'd write it down, and I'd send it to him. Mm-hmm. You know, two pages of what it's like to go from mile seventeen to eighteen, and that progressed. And uh, for a while, he was doing—I think they called it an immunotherapy—and uh, the immunotherapy was working. His tumors were shrinking, and there you go again. We have we have hope. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then we—I uh, did—I wanted to do a really big run for him. I want to do something really big. So I was trying to get into the New York marathon and I didn't make it. So marathon to marathon, I picked marathon to marathon out in West Texas and and ran. And by the way, when I'd be running these races, a lot of times, sometimes he was in the hospital bed and, and he would be on his iPad. He'd be tracking me and watching me while I'm running. Mm. So he had this thing to kind of look forward to and and to kind of uh, take, you know, that he could focus on while he was in the middle of getting treatment or whatever. He could watch me while I was running these races. And so we did marathon to marathon, me and Christine, we went out there and, and it was my eighth marathon, and guess what my number was? Number eight. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had the golden number. <laughs> you pull that off. Yeah, I don't know That's how. A number there. <laughs> so we ran that. Out what year the, is that? By the way, um, that was that was going to be uh, two thousand eighteen. Okay. So we ran. Uh, we ran uh, um, out in West Texas. So that was number eight. And, uh, again, I've, i been, I was running nonstop. My wife was spending a lot of time in Minnesota and I had nothing else to do. So I was running, I was running constantly. I'd get home from school. I'm a school teacher and I go run. <laughs> yeah. And, and it would help me. Uh, the thing that helped me the most was, um, I would think about Manny and I think about what he was going through and and it never, so I never thought about my own pain and running you know, I, I never, I could just run cause I was thinking about me. So we got, uh, um, let me back up here. So I ran number eight out in West Texas, marathon to marathon. And, um, in, uh, February of 2020, what? Well, 2019, my bad, my bad. 2019, um, we got horrible news and the news was that they were going to stop the immunotherapy because it was not working. And, um, he's only got a few months to live. Hmm. I got that news. The day before the Austin marathon, (laughs) Hmm. I hate to say this again. Yeah. Um, Christine was, uh, she was helping another runner. She had been training with another girl that had, uh, wanted to run a marathon. And, and I was signed up to run the half marathon myself with a, a good friend of mine from the Twin Cities. And he got down here and he was, he had an injury. He was nursing. So I was going to run the half marathon by myself. But that day before the marathon, we got the news that this is it. Hmm. And of course, you know what I said? <laughs> <laughs> we got to do go it. got to go All one the more way. Marathon. And, you know, I, I told you about the last one that we didn't train, but we had been running marathons and we were we were coaches. And so we had it in us, you know, we had it in us to do it. But I had really since uh, the marathon to marathon been struggling to run. I'd been just having a hard time. and uh, But I decided I'm going to do the marathon again. So this time without no training, <laughs> I went out and I always look back at that was my greatest moment. Um, I ran it by myself and, uh, I ran from start to finish and, uh, it was like I say, it's probably my greatest, my greatest marathon, even though it wasn't my best time, it was just, I'd never trained for something like that. And, uh, I was just determined to do it to get him that one last medal. Can you
1: tell me what you were going through during some of the miles of that race? And because I know this was very important race for you, even though it came up at the last minute. But tell me some of the feelings and thoughts you were having as you were going through the race.
0: Well, um, I spent a lot of time really just thinking of how badly I, I wanted to get Manny that metal. So that occupied a lot of my time. A lot of those other marathons where I was out there trying to achieve something for myself, I felt my own pain more. Um, it's hard to explain maybe spiritual in a way, but I didn't feel pain that day. Um, and maybe that's why I was able to run so good is, uh, I was thinking about Manny and, uh, I just knew I had to get there. I just knew that there was nothing that was going to hold me up no matter how tired. I didn't care if I was walking at the end. If, if, if the course was shut down, I was still going to walk to the finish or whatever, but I ran the whole way. And, uh, it was one of the few races where I've never felt few marathons where I've never felt that that pain you get at the end where you just can't move and you're just trying to find strength to go forward. And, and, uh, you don't, you don't know how in the world you're going to take your next step, but I didn't have any of that.
1: That's amazing. And what was it like when you crossed the finish line? Because I know that there was so much, so many thoughts going through your head during that race When you got to the finish line, you saw it in front of you, and you crossed it, and you got the medal. At that time, I'm sure they put it around your neck before COVID. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, feelings there. What was that like?
0: It's every single time you cross that line. You're. It's just an amazing feeling. You, you have done something that's truly amazing. I, every, I will tell you every single time I've crossed the marathon, they put that medal around my neck. I've always turned around to look at the finish and I've just stared off into the distance. And I, and and it's like a movie. You can replay every step you took. You took thousands of steps that day, you know, every single one. Mm -hmm. And I think that day, you know, and, and that's my thing. I always say, you know, I just got to look back at my journey for a bit. I just kind of think about what I did. It's so amazing. How 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 did I do that? How did I get all the way? 26.2. How did I ever do that? And I think on that day, I just, I turned around. I, I remember I was, it was emotional, maybe more emotional than a lot, but more so than any other time, just amazement it's hard to explain, but I I didn't train. I didn't train. I I wasn't even preparing, you know, I was barely preparing to run a half at that time. Mm -hmm. And so it was just even more amazement that I was able to complete this journey. But at the same time, it's bittersweet because, you know, this is probably the last time I'll, I'll be, you know, running for man. Right. And, uh, I will tell you that a month to the day, he passed away. I ran, I ran the marathon on February 18th and then, um, um, he flew down a week later and I put the medal around his neck and, um, and he used to, by the, he used to wear the medals when he would go in to get chemotherapy and stuff, you know, and, and he would, you know, people would say, where'd you get the medal? Oh, my, my son-in-law runs marathons, you know, and it would help him. Um, but he passed away on March 19th which is 30 days later, you know, remember February is cut a little short. (laughs) Right. Well, the anniversary is
1: tomorrow, actually.
0: Yes. Yeah. So um, after he passed away and he passed away here at my house, we got to spend time with him and he passed away here. Um, We thought we, he'd make it to May, but he did not make it to May. And I I tried to go out and I'd run a little bit, but it just wasn't the same. I, for some reason, I, I struggled and I I just, I felt my pains more. I did, I used to not feel my pains and suddenly now I'm feeling my pains and mm-hmm. I had that drive and I was just really struggling, you know, kind of after the loss of Manny. And um, obviously this is marathon number nine and I got one more. <laughs> mm-hmm we we had the uh we had the funeral in in may because um that was a time when when everybody could kind of get together and so we had the the funeral in may and uh we buried Manny in uh, Fort Snelling Cemetery up in Minnesota and uh, he he was in the service we had a 21 gun salute and a very wonderful ceremony mm. And, uh, I was sitting on a bench and my buddy came up to me, the one I had, uh, run a, a couple marathons with. And, and, when I had set my record time, when I had finally achieved my goal, it was kind of at, at, he was in that marathon with me and really we were running that together and he got to mile 15 and, uh, he had to drop out and so he's always kind of, that's been a difficult thing for him, you know, that he had to drop out of that marathon and he wasn't able to finish. And for me, <laughs> I went on to have my best time ever. So, yeah, but he, he was sitting on the bench and I was sitting there and we were talking about Manny and he said to me, and goes, I got unfinished business. And I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and he said, are you going to be there? And I said, yeah. I'll be there. Um, so that meant he was going to try to run the twin cities one more time. And uh, for me, I thought, you know what? I'm one away from double digits. How many people get to double digits? And I thought I could run one more time for Manny because mm-hmm. it's on his home turf. He uh, he's from Minnesota and he used to work at the state Capitol. The finish of the marathon is at the state yeah. Capitol. And I thought, one more beautiful beautiful finish yeah let's do it one more time so i trained all summer and this time we played it smart i flew up there a few times to train with my buddy and and we ran uh uh, you know we ran on the actual course a few times and uh so i thought i thought we were going to have a great race and i was really looking forward to it really excited and and uh flew up to minnesota The day before, uh, maybe two days before the race, maybe the day before, I can't remember. But uh, we went over to the expo and we got our our gear. And uh, my mom was there too. My mom was going to, uh, she was going to run the 10 miler that they had. So we got, everybody got our gear. And when we were leaving, uh, my buddy Tim uh, took his number out of his bag. And he goes, what number did you get? And I went to take my number out of my bag and uh, it wasn't my name. And I said, well, I got somebody else's, I got somebody else's bib here. And I started running to get back inside. And I said, wait a minute. I looked at the bib and it says Manny. And I just stood there and I'm like, how did this happen? You know? Um, I signed up. I never I never put anybody's name. I never even put my name. Sometimes my mom will sign me up and she likes to put my name, but I never put my name or anything. And 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 so I don't know. Again, I'm a physicist. I I can tell you about the laws of the universe, but I don't know if I can tell you everything. So I've got his number now. (laughs) Wow. I call home and I tell my wife, I take a picture. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, you know look whose number I got, or look, look whose name is on my bib. So now, now it changes things a little bit. My, my, my goal was to make sure my buddy, Tim got to the finish. He needed me there. He had unfinished business. Now my new goal is I got to get Manny to the finish line. So here we go again. Number 10, you know, I love the, I always love the national anthem. It just makes, I mean, it just, God, there's, it's, it, you're in a sea of people all getting ready to do something so amazing. When mm-hmm. they play that anthem and it just brings you to tears practically. I've cried many times at the start. Yep. And you know, you look around, you look at all the faces that are starting with you and you're wondering how many of them are going to be next to me when I finish this thing. How many are going to make it? How many are not going to make? It? You know, you always have those thoughts. Um, but for every person you see, you're just, you know, you your hats off to them. They have the courage to come out here on this day and try this and do it. I mean, how many people have that courage to to even attempt something like this? So and
1: they have their own story too. Yeah. There's they have their own reason for being at that start line. Yep, yeah another person may have a completely well will have a completely different story
0: it it yeah it's it's always for me that start is you know we've talked about it, that start is emotional um so anyways we man we have a great i mean we are running great it is probably one of the best uh, runs we've had together uh effortless almost and um my buddy tim started having trouble around mile 17 or yeah about mile 17 and uh I'll make it short (laughs) he gave it hell uh but uh he got to mile 21 and that was it he just he 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 hit that wall you know and sometimes you don't recover from that wall and and he struggled in the meantime I had taken off my jacket Did, did he finish he did not finish. You're not okay. Okay. (laughs) For the second time at that particular race, I'm, I'm waiting for him to tell me, let's go one more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. We'll see. (laughs) Change your phone number. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, and I love him for trying. I mean, I was so proud of him and and the effort he put in, you know, and it's hard to explain to people. It's the toughest thing you ever do, you know? And, and, um, you know those there's tough decisions you got to make during that race and sometimes your body's telling you you've had enough and, and your mind is trying to tell the body be quiet and oh you're trying to control two things you know yes I always there's a quote I love from Lou Holtz you know and he says uh if you want something bad enough you'll find a way Mm -hmm. If not, you'll find an excuse, (laughs) right? You know, and there's that moment in every race where how bad do you want this? Because it's going to hurt. I mean, I've had those moments where I had to throw my water bottle down because I, I didn't even have the strength of my arm to hold it up anymore, but I wanted, I wanted it more than anything. And, uh, You know, there's also that moment that sometimes I've said, you know, I I, I could die out here today. And my wife probably doesn't realize that I'd do it. I'd keep walking even if I knew that I wasn't going to make it and I could die here today. Mm. Because you want that finish so bad. And so I always tell people, you know, there's a switch. And when you find that switch in your brain, there's nothing you can't do. Right, But the hard part is to get down there and find that switch. And, and that's kind of what the marathon has done for me. I found my switch and I know when it hurts, I can turn it on. And some people, they're not there yet. They haven't found that. that doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to not stop trying, but it's going to take a little longer to find that switch. So I know I'm going to make it. Um, I lost him at mile 21, but I couldn't stay with him because I had to get Manny's number across the line. I had taken off my jacket and people are yelling, Manny, go Manny. Manny, you're my hero. And uh, that just, I mean, that just made me have to mm. keep going more. And and uh, I will say it was my last marathon, but it was, I don't know why. It was probably the marathon I was in the most pain Um, not emotionally, physically. Um, I just, I remember the last part of the Twin Cities Marathon. I don't know who dreamed this up, but it's a four mile run uphill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most of the marathon is flat. And all of a sudden you get to the St. Paul side of the Mississippi River and then you begin a four mile climb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the last mile is a downhill sprint to the finish. But You are at the toughest part of any marathon and you're struggling to get up this hill and everything hurts. And it's just, you you want it over with so bad, (laughs) but you keep going.
1: So many of our listeners can relate to what you're saying. Those that have not run a marathon, don't be afraid of this because it's just a part of doing a marathon. What I liked about The Twin Cities marathon is when you get through those four miles of uphill and you get over and you start going downhill, you see in a distance. I don't know if they still do it or not, but they have the fire trucks that are up and the big American flags. And, you know, when you get to that spot and you go underneath that, you're just about at the finish. And it is just amazing
0: yes it is it is an amazing finish plus you go by the saint paul cathedral the the church and the bells are or you know not the bells but the uh um yeah the bells are sounding and it's just it is an amazing finish and and as difficult as it is you know i described this i don't mean to describe the pain of it but it's real there's nothing that replaces what it feels like when you finish i mean you have that moment where you're you're excited to be done moving but yet you you wish it still was going on you Mm. wish you were still out there you know you you know that you did something that was amazing and uh I mean I always tell people you know it's it's one thing you know I've got lots of heroes in life but it's one thing when you become your own hero you know Mm -hmm. look back at what you did and just just in amazement of it So there's nothing that replaces that, and it's worth everything. I mean, yeah, you're going to suffer. You're going (laughs) to, you know, but uh, that finish is is truly amazing. It is. I have
1: a a couple questions here. Um, I want to go back to the bib where you um, picked up, and it, it said Manny on it. Did you ever ask anybody if they went and tried to work that out as a big surprise for you?
0: You know, I never did because it was, I, I don't know who would do that. I, I guess I should start with my mom, but, uh, I, you know, I, I would reg- be a person that could do yeah. it. <laughs> well, I registered myself and, um, I just think that'd be a difficult thing to do, but it, yeah, I never had that moment where I'm like, Hey, did you call? <laughs> I know my wife did it. You know, we talked about that a little or talked about the, the bib and stuff and she was in total shock. So, um, yeah, maybe when we're done, I'm going to call my mom. <laughs> and ask, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, no, I never, I never had that thought. It, and it was one of those things too, where, um, my mom kept asking me, you know, have you registered yet? Cause you're going to, I, I kind of held off registration cause I wanted to make sure my buddy was, was really going to do it. You know, he, he had struggled a little bit, you know, this is, you know, his fourth marathon and he had ended up in the medical tent on two of them. So, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure, he was signed up first and then kind of, I'm a procrastinator myself. So it was one of these things that I'm, I'm signing up at last minute. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, That would be worth asking your mom. She's, yeah. uh, she's the type of person that would, uh, would, <laughs> would do that. Definitely. The other question I have, and this is back, uh, I, I can't remember which marathon it was. I mean, you mentioned that you saw a person that looked like your grandfather as you were, approaching the finish line, when you got across the finish line, because that was such a amazing, shocking thing for you, did you, did you ever want to go back and just see who that person was?
0: Well, you know, the one thing I tell people too, is, you know, you've been running all day. Your, your, your mind can kind of play tricks with you as well. You know, you, so you don't, You don't know, you know, sometimes you don't trust things all that much. And, um, it was raining and, and then when I got across the line, you know, they put that metal around me. I'm, I tend to be, I hate to say this. I don't want to scare listeners up, but I tend to be a fainter at the end because I stop moving and your, you know, your blood, <laughs> your blood pressure changes. And so I have a tendency to go down. <laughs> I, I always try to work my way over to the fence real quick because I, I know, I know that feeling, you know, and I'll just sit there for a little bit and I'll get my blood pressure back up and I'll be good. But, uh, you know, I, I had that happen to me where I, I went down and, you know, my ma found me and, and you know, and, and I was telling them, I was like, ma, you're not going to believe this. there's just this guy over here. But yeah, I never, I, I never went back to look, you know. Maybe it's good that you didn't. Yeah. Because
1: you you have that memory, you know, not going back there. Now you have that memory and it's just something that will always be with you as a mystery, but a good a good mystery.
0: Well, the real story behind that is is my grandfather was was past, He was um, he had lung cancer, and uh, he was in the later stages. And uh, it just so happened that this is back in 1976. I spent two weeks, me and him, watching the Summer Olympics there in Montreal. And, uh, they, they played a lot of teasers that year for the marathon. And so I was, I, I, I mean, I was, I was a kid, I was 11 years old and I was a kid. And I, and so I never heard of the marathon, but I, I learned what it was. And, uh, me and my grandfather, we watched the marathon together. And when it was over, I said to my grandfather, i I said, uh, I'm going to run that marathon someday. And, uh, he smiled. He looked at me and he said, uh, you'll do remarkable things in your lifetime and two weeks after the winter Olympics, he passed away. Mm. So I've always had that. I've always had that. <laughs> I, I had to run that dang marathon. You know, I always had that holding, uh, held over my head and, uh, uh, I'd go outside to run. And I, I, in my mind, I'd think, you know, I would pretend I was running the marathon, you know, cause I got to do it. You know, I made the promise <laughs> and, uh, there's only one thing though, I I didn't like running. Yeah. <laughs> it, it a hurt. lot of people don't like running, but they do it. <laughs> yes. I I will tell you, it's uh you have to work through it and you'll it is a a wonderful thing. I I love running now. I mean not always that first mile, I have to get going, you know. <laughs> it takes me a while, but uh once I'm running and just thinking about things. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing experience. Hmm. Now you're a volunteer and a coach too, right? Yeah. I, I coach with Austin fit and, uh, I just, you know, I love helping people reach their goal, you know, reach their dream. You know, so many people that, uh, and I work with uh, Christine Centelli and, uh, um, we have a lot of people that are trying to run their first marathon ever. And it's just nice to be there, to be able to share the experience and, and to help get them across that finish line. And uh, I will tell you, but by, by 10 marathons, I <laughs> I feel like I feel like a veteran finally, you know, so I feel like I have something to pass on and share and and, uh, you know, yeah, you, you've,
1: you've you've been out there, you've been in the trenches, so you absolutely have something to share with runners and this is you know this podcast is for the everyday runners. so people that are listening to this get motivated i know we've been in the um, covid period for the last year a lot of races have races have been canceled There's some that are coming back alive. There's going to be a lot in the fall. There's so many new people that are into running now because of COVID. That was one thing you could still get out there and do is you could get out there and run. And so many people are just salivating to do their first race. (laughs) Whether it's a half or full, even a 10K.
0: I can kind of be honest here and tell you that I look back at my life and um, the greatest years of my life have been since I started running. Um, I started running at age 50 and uh, I didn't realize how much I was not living until I started running. Uh, I don't like getting up early on Saturdays, but you know what? I'm out there and there's something about being the first one up and being outside running and doing something to improve yourself or just to see the world that just makes it so amazing. And uh, to share that with with other runners and other people. I mean, it's just a, an amazing experience. I always say there's no secrets on the trail. You want to know somebody, go run with them for a little bit. Absolutely.
1: That's a very true statement you just said there. Yeah. And I agree with you. You know, many, 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 many mornings in my life, I did not want to get up. And uh, I was involved mostly with running groups probably for the last 50% of the races that I did. And just to be with those folks and feed off of each other and, you know, have these amazing experiences and training runs was just phenomenal. And you just felt so alive. And then, after you were done, you would continue on because you would go over to breakfast. When you would do your training run, you talk about everything but running, and then when you were at breakfast, you talk all about running. At least that's how it worked <laughs> for me.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's an amazing experience, and uh, I like I say, I've I've lived more in the in these last uh, five six years running than I ever did the rest of my life, and uh, I've just the shared experiences that I've had with the, the people I've met along the way. And, and it's just been a wonderful experience. And I know the marathon is tough and I'm sure I make it sound scary, but the truth is it's an amazing feeling and it changes you. You're, you're not this when you finish, I've always said, you know, you finish the marathon, you're, you're not the same person. And uh, i be, I was, I became more calm in my life after running marathons. i smaller things didn't upset me as much anymore. i I experienced something that was just life changing and you know, it just, it makes this place a lot more beautiful to look at. And, and uh, it just, it, it takes a lot more to get you worked up. <laughs> you know, you don't get worked up as much anymore. And you, I, I always say you're at peace. You, you find a peace that you never thought you'd find after you complete a marathon. It's hard yeah. to replace that. It's very
1: hard to replace that. Well, Al, I, Certainly appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your story, especially with Manny and your grandfather and your own personal experience out there uh, at each of the marathons that you have completed. And I know that our listeners are going to really enjoy listening and we'll get something out of this. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and um, just know how much I care about your parents, too. They are yeah, amazing, people. wonderful, wonderful people that uh, are an important part of my life. And now that I'm not in, on Maui anymore, I, I'm not sure when I'll see them, except for for at a race. So, well, maybe you'll get to Austin, beautiful area. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that as soon as these races come back, your your mom and and dad they're always out there somewhere doing some race someplace.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the excitement. You know, I can't tell you how many different places I have run whenever I go somewhere different. I just like to run and I get to see things I never get to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about it. Well,
1: that's that's the the joy of running. It's, yeah. Uh, like you said, you're a changed person when you cross that finish line of a marathon. And I'm sure it's the same for people that never thought they could ever do a 5K Crossing that finish line, they're a changed person. It yeah. Doesn't have to be a marathon; it can be a smaller race too. Yeah, it is true. All right, Al. Thank okay. you. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's stay in touch. Okay. All right. Take care. You
1: too. Right. Well, runners, that was Al Balmer. Huh? What a great guy and a wonderful tribute to Manny. And I guess Al will be running yet another marathon. Yep, he will be running this year's Boston Marathon with his mother, Karen Oslin. They are doing it for a Boston Marathon charity, the Community Rowing Organization, which is based in Boston. And they have a hefty fundraising goal to achieve. So if you feel so inclined to give a little, and it's for two good causes... Karen and L, mother and son team, and also the community rowing organization. The link is in the show notes for this episode, which you can find it at feelgoodrunning.com. So hopefully you'll consider throwing in a few bucks to help them because it really, it's, it's seriously a good cause. And I know there's a lot of stuff out there that you've been giving to. So if you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. I get it. No worries whatsoever. All right. L. I want to thank you again for sharing your story and your love of running with all of our listeners. Very inspirational. All right, runners, it's time for our inspirational running quote for this episode. And I found this quote, author unknown, but it just seemed to fit, especially since we've all struggled to stay motivated by running this past year because of the pandemic. So it goes like this. Running is nothing more than a series of arguments between the part of your brain that wants to stop and the part of the brain that wants to keep going. I'll read that to you one more time. Running is nothing more than a series of arguments between the part of your brain that wants to stop and the part that wants to keep going. Yes, that struggle is real. I experienced that myself. But keep it tilted to the part of the brain that wants to keep going. And really, that's with everything in life, right? You want to keep your brain tilted to keep going. So there you go. The inspirational quote of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, that's it for this episode, runners. I really and seriously appreciate you listening. And if you can do me a solid and share this podcast and episode on your social media platforms and also with your running friends, that would make my day. Come on, make my day. And be sure to check out this episode's show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Oh, yeah. Are you on our email list? And if you're not, why not? You can do that also at feelgoodrunning.com. All right. I'm Jim Lynch, your host. And until next episode, engage that part of your brain to keep running. It'll make for a great day.